Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Jack Inslee is all about You Cannot Kill David Arquette, one of the best documentaries Jack and I have seen in quite some time. Since the start of the pandemic, Jack Inslee and I missed sports, so we started talking about The Last Dance when that was airing on ESPN, and we continued until now and it is the end of january 2021 and we are discussing this film that was released in august of 2020 it's currently available on hulu and definitely worth your time hopefully something else that's worth your time is our patreon account um things have changed and now we need a patreon account please consider donating at you me them everybody.com it's in this podcast description and it's also on our about page whether or not you like professional wrestling both jack and i think this is worth your time the Royal Rumble is this weekend. This might get you into the mood for it. I am so happy I watched this film. Thank you to Chris Kelly for recommending it. Thank you to Jack for watching something that you didn't think you'd care about and ended up caring about. It's worth your time. Here's the show. That might have been written that way. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter, and that's kind of what wrestling is, right? That's why I think this is the best wrestling doc. So... Well, I want to agree with you. There are two reasons why I would put Wrestling with Shadows and Beyond the Mat above it. But the Wrestling with Shadows one is, it's the exact same thing where you don't know what's kayfabe and what's reality. Um, especially because the further we go from that film, the further we go from the Montreal Screwjob, the less clear it becomes. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons. And the reason why Beyond the Mat is so like jaw-dropping to me still is that's The Rock's first movie credit. and to see how he got from there to where he is now that's why it's so important if the rock was played by literally anyone else in the company i wouldn't put it it's number two this would be my number two but because of that and because of the amount of influence that guy weighs and he might have swayed the 2020 election that's not a joke i think there are barriers of entry to those two films you reference and Mm -hmm. i think there isn't here And I think the same way that you come into wrestling blind as a kid and you take what you take from it, you believe what you believe, you see what you see, right? I think this film, like if I could play this film for anybody that's just into Hollywood Mm -hmm. and they're going to say, you know, they're going to be hook, line and sinker or a wrestling fan like you. That's why I think this one casts a much wider net and kind of has the chance to, I don't know, have an effect on people in a way those two films don't. Oh, 100% agreed. Um, there's a few questions I have from leaving this film, but the one question that you and I should maybe discuss is, is this the one time where access to the subject is actually a very good thing? Unlike most sports documentaries, they seem to be love letters to the athlete. And the athlete did nothing wrong, and therefore here's 90 minutes about how they were wronged, and here's a 10-minute redemption arc. That seems to be the the crux of a lot of these films. This is almost the opposite of that, where the directors are clearly friends with Arquette. His wife is the producer. But because of that, we get to see some dark shit that without that access, we just don't see. And here's where maybe I'm overcorrecting a little bit too much and wearing a tinfoil hat a little bit. But I kind of started thinking that this was Arquette's film and every single part of this is staged when he pukes into a cardboard box. Like maybe none of this is real. Oh, hold on. Here we go. You're that's fair. And I understand why you're saying this, but there's no way he almost gigged himself to death in a death match. 
So that's where I, I don't necessarily agree with you. I also but don't that's think the that, beauty of wrestling too. No, because... death matches aren't supposed to go that far. No, no, no. You're not my, supposed my to my almost point being die. Like the 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 suspension of belief or reality is it's like it makes the film that much more effective that I could be like, but wait a minute, Luke Perry was there and he kind of pushes the cameras away. I'm like, what if that was staged? But also, we and don't know it's Luke Perry until pretty much the credits. I know. It's just ama- so we're all over the map. I'm not we're- saying it is staged. I'm saying the the fact that this film was presented in the way it was, in that I could even entertain that thought, means it's like wildly succeeded as as a, a thesis on wrestling. Oh yeah, 100. percent So let's go through this, not chronologically because the film isn't necessarily in chronological order, but this covers almost every type of wrestling. Yeah, we have backyard wrestling, which I have been on record. I hate. Hate, hate, hate. The only thing I hate more than backyard wrestling is death matches, which this film has. Mm-hmm. This has your classic WWF Macho Man style, uh, Hulk Hogan style match. This has your super indie trying to do high spots match in Hollywood. This has promos. This has old timers like the Nasty Boys kicking the shit out of a very drunken stereotype of an ex wrestler. This has the redemption arc. This has him trained in the backyard. This checks almost has luchadores too. Has it has luchadores, which is my second favorite wrestling. Like this has everything, except like pure amateur style wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. This has a list celebrities like Courtney Cox. This has should be a list, but they're not list celebrities like Luke Perry. This has like half of the current AEW lineup. This has Ric Flair. This has Hogan. It's one of the very few mainstream wrestling docs that it's not centered around a wwe storyline no which is really good and i love yeah. that about it we don't hear vince's name once exactly and i'm Except sure we do, he's... we do hear a wwf cartoon because uh-huh. david Arquette's dad was the voice of jimmy snooka in the cartoon jimmy snooka most likely murdered a woman <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's got all this backstory it's got Jake the Snake Roberts talking shit about David Arquette via Joe Rogan. It's a, it's got Wendy Williams. It's got Ellen. Like, oh God, right? I know. This film should be horrible. There's no right for it to be this amazing. It's very, 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 very good. I don't care who you are. It's worth your time. It's hundred percent worth it. This might be the one that gets people interested in the culture of wrestling. Not necessarily watching WWE or AEW, but just not completely shooting all over it. It and it's beautiful in that, like this guy who clearly carried, clearly or not. See, here's this is where it's fun for me. I'm like, I don't really know where the lines are here and what's real and what's not. But anyway, you know, as the narrative as it's presented is, he's carried this burden for 20 years of how he disrespected the sport and all the hardcore wrestling fans hate him and all he ever wanted to do is contribute because he loves it so much. And then he ends up making maybe like the, one of the most important texts on the sport. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, do you know what happened to Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth? Um, she died first. Is that right? Uh, around, yeah, they didn't around the same time. They were no longer together. She was with Lex Luger by the end. And yeah. um, their marriage was horrible. He was horrible to her. Mm. And so the reason I bring this up is because Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth are essentially David Arquette's role models slash figures that he wants to emulate as a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. And he grows up watching Macho Man. He's watching Macho Man matches. He realizes his wife looks like Ms. Elizabeth. His wife looks like his ex-wife, but just younger. Like, totally. He's got a type. And that's oh, fine. Yeah. And at one point, he gets a Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth tattoo. I'm not reading anything 
the film ends with essentially them recreating the Macho Man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Macho Man, uh, Miss Elizabeth, will you marry me? WrestleMania moment. Um, by the way, they were already married and they got divorced like six months later in real life. So, um, anyways, wait a minute, wait a minute. David Arquette and his no, wife in oh, Macho okay. Man, Miss Elizabeth. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> this has everything, but it's, but it doesn't end like every WWF doc about these people would have ended if it was 20 years prior with just like dead and sad. I'm really glad you brought that up because yeah. I think there's a decent chance we do lose David Arquette in five years. Oh, I really hope not. But or less. Me neither. And I hate saying it, but like, you know, it's not, it, it seems more likely than not when you see the ups and the downs yeah. and kind of just the lack of a grip he has on his own realities. You know, he's, he's got kind of the sad clown thing. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. For and that sure. like in, in an inherited way, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his best friend has now passed. Um, so his best friend is Luke Perry. Uh, Luke Perry's son is Jungle Boy. He's currently in AEW. He's one of like the teen heartthrobs of AEW. He's a very, very, very good wrestler. And this was shot well before AEW. And it's one of the last, it might even be the postscript scene where he's wrestling is, yeah. with Jungle Boy. Is, and you can hear in the crowd, David Urquhart goes, you're going to bigger and brighter things. Somebody in the crowd actually goes, A.W. Uh, mm, wow, well, there you it, go. It's beautiful. And Arquette's love of this thing clearly stems from childhood, like most of these guys. And in a weird way, it's like the most pure form of wrestling. Yeah. And and it's interesting to think, um, kind of like a nature-nurture thing, you know, how many wrestlers could have been in Scream and how many Scream actors could have been wrestlers? Well, at this point, I'd say like half and half. Because you know what I mean, though, right? Where yeah, it's yeah, like, I totally know what you mean. Maybe David Arquette was always meant to be a fucking wrestler and not an actor. Yeah, but I could also see David Arquette doing this like Johnny Depp renaissance. Kind of, but maybe he's just not a great actor. In the same no, way that's really like, great. No, I gotta disagree. Post credits, he's kind of like, he's just like, I'm just never going to be a good wrestler, you know? Yeah, but you're not supposed to be. One of the guys that's in here, one of the most important wrestlers of all time, Jerry the King Lawler, not a great wrestler. Sure. He's in this film. Like, he's not a great wrestler. He's great at in-ring everything. He's great at picking up underage women and going to trial for it. He's great at certain things, but he's not necessarily like an in-ring technician like like half these guys are. So you don't, if you believe you are a great wrestler, you are a great wrestler. And that's the thing about like a sensitive soul, like Arquette. The the best wrestlers of all time don't really give a shit about it, but also know that they're the best, but also know that it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? It's a weird thing I'm saying here. It does. And, and, you know, he still might be on his path to that like full realization because he still has this imposter syndrome, it seems, by the mm-hmm. end, where he's like, uh, I'm not quite there. Um, my, the most rewarding part of the film for me is, is he's in Mexico training with luchadors. And mm-hmm. this seemed pretty real. And again, like, I don't know what is and isn't in this film, but he's, he's, he's going, he's trying to do this like leg kick thing. And I don't know, as like a non-athletic dude, I could relate to, he's just like sweating and he's like, okay, okay, hold on. one more time, one more oh, time. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I totally feel you, man. Like, this is hard. And then he finally does it in practice. And then when he does wrestle in a small little arena or whatever, 
Um, you know, he does the leg the arena kick. for the listener at home. Imagine your apartment. That's the size of the arena. It's like a storefront. Period. It's like a storefront. Yeah. And there's maybe 25, 30 people or whatever, but he does the, he does the damn leg kick jump thing. And I don't know, man, it, it was awesome. Oh, there yeah, are a lot of moments easy. in this film where you're just like, way to go, dude. So yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it is. And it's it really is. like rooting for one of the questions I had was how does this guy have so much money and it matters, well, but it doesn't, you know, it's a showbiz family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of showbiz families that are broke. You know, the funny thing about this is last week I rewatched the 1999 MTV video music awards or part of it, which yeah. I taped from my childhood. And one of the constant commercials was the 1-800-CALL-ATT or collect, the collect commercials. Mm -hmm. So before you even recommended this film, he popped back up and I was like, oh my God, David Arquette, that's right. Wow, I forgot about those collect commercial ads. Yeah. Um, They have like, what, a half a second of that in this film? Like there's another, it's part of like one of the sequences. So what? Most people waste that money. He's got a seemingly perfect house setup. He's got like a pool. Yeah. He's got tennis he's courts. Dripped, he's dripped court. in like designer streetwear in this whole film. Yeah, the whole low key. he's wearing like very expensive clothing the whole time. And his house looks very nice. Yep. Um, I know his sisters are doing okay, but like how far does Scream money go? Which makes me think Courtney Cox took the last name Arquette. Was that divorce like 50-50? Because if so, that's how he has all this money. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But it doesn't matter because Courtney Cox is in this film, which is amazing. Like, I am fascinated by their life. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. It's like they kind of answer all the questions you want to know as a viewer, which very few wrestling films, hell, most sports documentaries don't do. I'm like shocked of how, how good this is. Yeah, it, it really left no stone unturned. Um, and I mean, to answer, that's that's kind of the last remaining question is like, what is the end? We don't really get an ending is the thing is like this film was made. I don't want to say preemptively because I thought it was a perfect film, but like, oh, yeah, you know, we don't know. We don't know how this story ends. Really? Does he does he get a career defining role as a 50 year old a la Mickey I mean, Rourke and the wrestler? Aren't they because making was, another scream? I mean, yeah, sure. But like. <laughs> You know, does he have this Mickey Rourke moment, which I'm was so that that's what made that film so good because it was Mickey Literally. Rourke's return to screen oh, as sure. well. Yeah, you know, um, I did. We're going to see a David Arquette award campaign for something. I'm convinced of it. Yeah, and this seems like a perfect lead up to that. Um, mm-hmm. And and the funny thing is, he he does try to paint himself as this. That's why some of this is pure kayfabe. He's like fake crying in the car where he's like, I just auditioned for 10 years. I don't get any fucking movies, man. But then like at the drop of, okay, dude, then at the drop of a dime, he is like on Ellen and Wendy Williams whenever he wants to be like, this guy still has access to all the channels and he has a great PR team. I don't know. His sister's on Ellen. Oh, fair enough. He's also you or I could send four emails to Wendy Williams and get on. Oh, come on. You don't just got to fake don't something. Like it's not that. that difficult. It's not difficult. If you have a good enough gimmick for something, if you really wanted to get on Wendy Williams, within a month you could get on Wendy Williams. And that's not a knock on Wendy Williams. You got to fill a lot of hours. I guess. That's not a knock on Wendy Williams. Trust me. Trust me. What the fuck? Fine. Uh, 
I just so, don't know how I don't know how exaggerated his fall, you know, his like being outcast from Hollywood was. And maybe it's true. I don't know. Here's the thing. Do you think he's manic? Yeah. Okay, so do I. Therefore, it's not crazy for me to have a guy going from crying about not getting roles for 10 years to in a minute later in a film being on a daytime talk show. Yeah. Yeah, and it's maybe it is at all. all. No, maybe it is all real. Maybe like 90% of this film is exactly as it's depicted and I'm just extrapolating because of the nature of the sport of wrestling, which again makes this like you know, I hate using Kaufman-esque, but like there's like shades Why, of that Kaufman shirt. Yeah, there's Did shades of it here. What's that? Did you not notice that in the, the dressing room of the last uh, wrestling match he has in Detroit, he's wearing the Women's World Championship wrestling shirt? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's an Andy Kaufman shirt. Yes, no, I know. So, yeah, he gets it. He gets it from the jump. Like, he was sort of part of it his entire life due to his dad being part of the cartoon. Like Exactly, exactly. So oh, I love it so much and ready to rumble. Have you ever seen ready to rumble? No, it is worth your time because it is so bad. Yeah. I mean, I saw some of the clips they show in this doc and it does, it does not really look it's not David Arquette's fault. <laughs> There's no which, one which person. Is a constant through line through a lot of this stuff. A lot of this stuff is not his fault. <laughs> I would say a lot of it is his fault, but not that one. Like you getting fucked up at a backyard wrestling show, even if it is part of the film, it's a horrible idea. I, I understand why it's there for narrative. If it is fake, if it's real, why are you doing that? And yeah. Number that one, was a really captivating scene. I, it was so I was uncomfortable. literally on the edge of my seat watching that. And we're talking about a millionaire Hollywood celebrity in Richmond, Virginia, in a backyard with mostly obese men. At one point, their like, handmade ring collapses. It, everything is really precarious. Um, I'm, I'm like legitimately worried watching yeah, and it. And he commits. What's that? He commits 100%. Yes. In it. And that's what's so commendable about him. And then I thought another beautiful scene is, you know, he leaves and they're interviewing these backyard wrestlers. And one of the dudes is like, look, man, you know, he got he got lied to by a shitty promoter, got his ass kicked at a faulty backyard setup and didn't get paid. Like, yeah, welcome to wrestling. Um, yeah. And that I resonates. do love that those guys talk about the business in the same way as every single other professional or lack thereof in this film be it the luchadors be it the guys in hollywood be it the guys in detroit be it the former wwf guys wcw guys they all talk about it the exact same way it's hilarious Mm -hmm. but he does it man and even at the um i think it's at the lyric when he's in the death match and Mm -hmm. gets stabbed in the neck and he's like he has a he does break character for a moment where he looks at the other dude and he's like yo i'm fucked i'm fucked up like yeah I, I got hurt. And you think he's just about to go retreat to safety, but which he, he should have done. So yes, but he, he cares to protect so business. much about the sport and the integrity of the sport. And this is where like you really I don't know, this says everything about him. Gets back in the ring just enough to get pinned down for the three count and then goes and rushes to the ER. That's where you realize it's like this is not just an actor making a film. This is a manic dude who really has an obsession yeah. with this redemption arc and this love of sport, which I understand it so much. I hate it so much. Sure. But that's what we want it. out of our athletes, right? No, I don't. 
No, I don't. It's like the I Willis want... Reed Knicks game where like you come out limping and you, you know, you, you, or Kobe Bryant finishing the, he, he shoots his free throws after tearing his Achilles. You know, no, it, I want the Barry Sanders. I'm going to retire because I don't want to fuck up my body anymore. So do I, but I, I, so I, I, I say no, I as in the sports consuming public, man, like, you know, also, but if you're an actually, if you're actually a good wrestler and you can't do it, you do what Stone Cold does and just talks for the next year on Raw and never wrestle again. Right, right. You don't need to actually touch anyone to be the best wrestler of all time. And you it felt like great kind of what promo. David Arquette wanted to do in the beginning where he was like, yeah, I'm not really going to wrestle. I could like to talk some shit or <laughs> yeah, exactly. whatever else. Next thing you know, he's, you know, getting beat up in a backyard. I mean, it's insane. Uh, this At one point, this felt like we were watching a Stefan... SNL weekend update bit come to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fifth build guy from the Scream franchise is going to go in backyards in Richmond, Virginia, on streets, on the streets in Tijuana, in fancy Hollywood estates. A friend's actress is going to be there. Wendy Williams makes a cameo. Luke Perry and Luke Perry's hot son to make an appearance, but one of the Perrys dies. You'll never guess which one. Like this felt <laughs> like it was made up by a comedic genius and is the most sincere, most maybe realistic wrestling film I've ever seen. Yeah. That comedic genius is David Arquette. You know, Mm -hmm. this is like a, this is the, the sum of the parts of his life and all it it just, it, it is. Yeah. It's a stroke of genius. I'm just, the more we talk about this, the more like gobsmacked I am that it's this good. And what's funny is I did kind of peek at some of the other reception that critics had on this, and I hate this take. And some of the takes were like, well, there's a very good film about a midlife crisis somewhere hiding in here, but instead we get this vanity project. And it's like, you totally missed the point. Yeah, that's that's the lack of respect for wrestling, which I get. Yeah. I totally get. You know how boring this would be if it was just a midlife crisis movie? I would not have cared less. It's like, okay, great. Uh, uh, Hollywood actors having a midlife crisis don't care. This is so much deeper than Another that. Another way to and point this is a man that was fake murdered on screen multiple times almost legit gets murdered in a fake sport. Yeah. Yeah, that almost the, happened. It came very close to happening, it seems. But again, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You can't fake that. That was real. I remember when the Owen Hart news happened, I was like, no, that's a bit... Yeah. I wasn't really following wrestling much at the time, but it's just, that's what the sport does to you. Or at My least friend Joe was there. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's like, yeah, they didn't really talk about it. That night. They finished the night. There was more matches. Oof. <sighs> but that's yeah. what the sport does. Right. It, like, and that's, what's cool about it. I remember when I, I watched know. WrestleMania at your place last year, I had a lot of questions for everybody in the room. And I was like, wait a minute, wait, well, is that real blood? Did he really just get hurt? When, what, what's, you know, you just don't know. Yeah, the the thing about it is if Arquette ever does pop up in AEW or WWE, it will be very confusing to see how they use him because he's got like bona fides from the indies at this point and he should not be on the main roster, but he could easily be like Jungle Boy's manager. It would make a lot of sense in terms of storyline. It would make a lot of sense that he feuds with Chris Jericho, who's like getting Arquette's parts. 
but it would also make sense for him to appear in WWE and for Kevin Owens to kick his ass because Kevin Owens seems to kick the ass of every celebrity that appears. This is my point. There's a place for David Arquette in modern wrestling, maybe more now more than ever. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Right. Right. Is it a good thing or a bad thing for him? And maybe at the completion of this film, his family's like, okay, David, like, point made. No more. <laughs> I you hope know? so. You hope I, so. Because to me, if I see like, him wrestling, it's like a little bit of a red flag where you're like, oh, oh boy. Okay. And they talk about that in the film. Psychiatrist does bring that up. He's like, yeah, this like, especially the death matches there at that point there was no need for him like he had he had already gotten the cred of the indies you know he did most of what he needed to do to be in that death match with like a guy that seemed like he was in his prime and one of the more hardcore dudes i mean didn't all the hardcore dudes suck and stop oh yeah that style of wrestling i don't understand the appeal i never will no it's awful it needs to go away there's no point yeah just I would go like to, to UFC, spread. like go to just actually do MMA shit then. Well, and Arquette does say it at one point in the film where he's just like, I'm a carny at heart. And I think like that's some of the hardcore stuff leans a little further in that direction where it's, it's freak show. Yeah, um, it's not good. Anyways, did you notice who was thanked in the film at the end? Um, no. Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens was thanked. Wow. In no way is that surprising. Um, and Conan and Andy Richter were thanked. Wow. Yeah, he still has connections to the industry, clearly. And I'll always remember when David Arquette, I shouldn't say I always remember if I don't know the host, but I'm pretty sure it was Conan, and I'm pretty sure it was the first NBC run, when he was talking about his magic shows, because Arquette clearly does magic, and he would get paid $200 to do a magic show, but then spend like $300 on all the stuff for the magic show. (laughs) <laughs> and that was part of the gimmick and I kept thinking about that during the wrestling thing it's like he spent thousands upon thousands of dollars doing this just to travel alone and in all the oh, costumes yeah, he didn't make he maybe made a thousand dollars you know what I mean no for sure but I could also argue that like you know we're talking about him um, you know it, it was a good career move maybe I don't know I think without this film, horrible career move. With this film, great career move. That's my point. Is you know, does he do all of this without the film? And that's that's kind of my question with the kayfabe all along: is how much of this is David Arquette producing a film and being like, this is going to be great for the film, this is going to be great for the film, or was the filmmaker just following him on this journey that would have happened anyway? I don't know. Great question, and I think most, I think the maybe a better question is, does that even matter? No. Yeah. It doesn't. Wow. This is this might this is maybe my fourth favorite film we've watched. Yeah, I've yet to rank all the films we watched, but this is this is up there. Um the, you know, there were some small little things I didn't love. There were some music choices that were like, oh man, really I could have scored a better song in that like scene. The heavy headed stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. Pales in comparison to like the greater picture here. And it was, it was just totally, totally worth your time. I will say if like, if we were having a fantasy draft for celebrities that are primed for huge comebacks and kind of award campaigns, as you were saying, I think Paul Rubens and David Arquette are near the top of that list in the next five years. You know, I like those picks a lot, but I'm also, now that I'm thinking about Arquette and the safety of, his just his safety and his health adding to COVID 
now I'm really worried about him in the next five years, not being on this plane. Yeah, man, that's, that was kind of my takeaway from this. I was very worried about that too. I'm like, this, this doesn't look, this looks like a penultimate, you know, thing. And I I don't, I don't like the chances of the next chapter being good, but who knows who fucking knows. Well, we ended it on a dark note, which is good. It's wrestling. That's right. Stay tuned. Right. But why wouldn't he be in WrestleMania? Why isn't, why isn't, WWE like hot on his trail. It would because seem he was never like, in WWE. He was in WCW, which so WWE what? Isn't that bought. more reason? Isn't that more reason to get him to cross over? No, there's more reason to bring him back to W to AEW, which is like the spiritual sequel to WCW. Because like Sting is now in AEW. Jericho who was in both is in AEW. It's on the same network that WCW used to be on. Okay. It makes way more sense for him to appear in WCW or sorry in AEW. All right. So I wouldn't be shocked if like the next Hollywood esque or nearby pay per view in like next year, Arquette makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. You me them everybody is made by me Brandon Weatherby. Our theme music is by Daniel Knox. Our art is by Jillian Ron. You can hear all thirteen years of shows at you me them everybody dot com. If you're listening to this in Spotify or on iTunes. The last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones. If you want the rest of the catalog, which features over 700 episodes, you meet them, everybody.com. Our Patreon page is on our about page. It's all there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff at sign Y M T E. Thanks for listening. I'll hug the places that you've been sleeping. Friends and family. I'll be Keeping won't